0: Welcome to the F50 Woman podcast, dedicated to sharing stories from a diverse community of women
1: in order to provoke you into a passionate pursuit of life, build unshakable character and achieve extraordinary things. Now, here is your host, Julia Jack. She was the first person from her family to go to college and graduate but this young girl was broken early after being assaulted as a child. Traumatized on that innocent but unimaginable day in first grade, her brain was forever changed. As a result, she grew up insecure and struggling for identity, finding her value by getting involved and being seen. Her road was long, but through the fire of odd eating disorders, depression, and suicidal tendencies she was finally able to dig her brain one load at a time out of the icebox this is sue bowl story she's a hope coach a survivor and a thriving and god-filled f50 woman Hey, hey, F50 women. I am so excited that we have Sue Bowles with us today. Sue is a survivor-turned-award-winning author, speaker, and master-certified professional coach. She leads My Step Ahead, which is an organization committing to breaking the stigma around mental health struggles, and we know a lot of young people now are really struggling with that. Welcome, Sue. Thank you so much for being here. I am so looking forward to this, Julia. Thank you so much for having me. We were just talking and I, I said, this must be a really important thing for everybody to hear because I tell you what, I had to switch computers. We we're having so much technical difficulties, but we made it. And I'm excited to hear about who you were as a younger woman. Let's just start there because we love to know where you came from, to know how you got sure. to where you are and why you're so passionate about what you are. So oh, yeah. tell us about you as a younger
0: woman. I was broken. And I didn't know it. And that made it worse. Um, And then give a quick trigger warning here. A couple of things I'm going to refer to right now have to do with sexual assault, have to do with eating disorders and being suicidal. So if those are triggers for any of your listeners, I really want to give them that heads up so they can have a self-care plan in place. If they need to come back to the show later, by all means, do that. I've had a situation where someone was watching a show and they had to listen to it a few minutes at a time just because they didn't want to be triggered. So whatever it takes to take care wow. of you is the important part. So
1: I appreciate you sharing that because that's not something I would have thought or been aware of of somebody needing. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank or you for or if there's that. little ears in the in the room, they might not need to hear it. So right. Good. Good. Okay. So so having said that. I say I was broken because when I was in first grade, a classmate raped me yeah. and this was in the seventies. It was not on the, on the radar. No first one knew either. grade, first grade. No one knew to ask anything. I didn't know to say anything. I didn't know what had happened. I just know something wrong happened. Yeah. And the last words my rapist spoke to me were don't tell anybody. And wow. I didn't for 15 yeah. years until my senior year of college. So, because trauma rewires your brain, here I was at age seven, at yeah. what they call the age of reason when you're really just starting to develop. And I didn't have a chance to be a normal kid because wow. my brain went into fight, flight or freeze mode, and my emotions froze.
1: Yeah,
0: and, and that was all I knew for many, many for decades, honestly. Wow. Um, so so wh- who I was as a as a younger woman was very insecure because of that and i didn't make those connections but i was searching for identity i was in need of a lot of validation okay. and i i got my value by being seen so i did whatever it took to be seen and that came out in terms of being involved in a lot of activities and trying to be the overachiever and being the perfect one and all those things excuse me um yeah. You know, I developed an eating disorder when I was in college. I've been twice suicidal. Um, So who I was when I was younger, I I was broken and I didn't know it. I didn't know why. It's just there was, I knew something was wrong. I just, there was always this yearning, this insecurity of, do I matter? You know, and, and, and am I worthwhile and just do people like me and those kind of things. But I didn't know what it traced back to. Okay.
1: Wow. And um do you feel like you now this might be a stupid question, but you know, no some, some people funny. don't, yeah, some people don't understand. But do you feel like the eating disorders and the suicidal thoughts and all of
0: that really all stemmed right back to that one moment in time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, because you know, again, trauma it's you can see scans on the internet, how trauma rewires your brain. Your wow. brain finds different ways to deal with things. And those those different ways to process things shut down the normal processing of your brain. Yeah. So I didn't have a chance to to really learn how to adapt to stress or how to work through emotions or anything like that. So because I was already off track. Then the you know the way I phrase it is the longer you're in the icebox, the the bit thicker the ice gets so by okay. the time I get to college I'm this far off track yeah so my brain was was operating in the way it knew how okay it just wasn't it just wasn't the right way now do you feel like any time along that route
1: um, that younger um, woman did anyone ask you questions like what's going on with you or did your parents sort of wonder What's that about? You know, did did anybody ever see anything, or was it just you were such an overachiever? They thought, she's super, she's superwoman, and she's good. She's got it all together.
0: You know. Yeah, I, I wore a mask, and I wore okay. the mask all the way up to 2014. Um, okay. Of you know, being having the one, being the one that has it all together. I mean, I, I remember when um, yeah, I mean, our family environment w- was dysfunctional. Okay. um at by the time I got to high school college my dad's alcoholism was starting to starting to show oh,
1: okay. um
0: so so we had that going on and and before I say anything else it is very important to me to say that relationships are stronger now than they ever have been yeah, my yeah. mom she passed away uh, by the time the show airs it will be coming up on two years uh, but right at the time of this recording, it's been 17 and a half months since she passed away. Wow. And she moved in with me in 1997. And I was her caregiver the last eight years of her life. So we did a 180 because back in this time when I was high school, college, I would tell you I was estranged from my mom. Okay. And that had that is reflective of work I had to do, yeah. not her. Yeah. My dad was raised in an orphanage in the Depression because his mom couldn't afford to take care of him. So my parents did everything they could with the tools they had. Yes. None of it's their fault. Yeah. But we've all done the hard work of healing and we're reaping the benefits now. That's beautiful. But but with that, during that time period, I, I didn't want to, I saw one of my siblings get in a heated argument with mom and dad. And it was just normal teenager stuff. Yeah, and yeah. yet, because I didn't know how to handle things and that made me feel insecure, mm-hmm. I remember literally telling myself that it will never happen to me. Okay. And so right from there, again, I was playing the game of making everybody, wanting everybody to think I was okay because I didn't yeah. want to be the center of conflict. I didn't want to be the cause of conflict. So the way you don't cause conflict is to just get along with everybody. Yes. Smile and wave. Smile wave. By the yeah, away. yeah. <laughs> you know, and and yet you're dying on the inside, and, yeah. and it started coming out. Okay, and at what point in time did you?
1: Well, yeah, let's just keep going, just keep going forward, because usually I like to jump over and talk about where you are, but now, but this story seems like let's just take us along the journey. So, at what point in time did you? Did it trigger? Did you know the whole time that that was that one moment in time was the cause because you were so young? I mean, or did you just sort of bury it and plow forward and just somewhere inside you you knew something was not all set? Or maybe none of the above.
0: No, I, I plowed through. I, okay. I I had shut it down. I didn't know it was there. I didn't know it needed to come out. Okay. Um I knew that, you know, I just I was just struggling for identity. You know, I, I got my value by being seen. So by the time You know, high school, I was involved in chorus and band and drama and I played basketball my senior year and all these great things. And I look back now and even wanting to be seen at all the campus dances, you know, as I look back now, I understand why that was there. But by the time I got to college, I got over-involved. And I mean over-involved. I was taking a full load of classes, if not an overload classes. I was working 20 hours a week and involved in I can't tell you. I mean, way too many campus activities. My senior year I did homecoming. I did um what else did I do? I did the winter formal and I did an 18-hour muscular a danceathon. Actually, that was junior year I did all that. <laughs> oh and then okay. I was pledging sorority. And I, I realize it's junior. Oh no, year. don't then tell I was me. Pledging a sorority. <laughs> and that's spring.
1: enough in itself with the school. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I am not a poster. I I'm a poster child of what not to do in college. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, but but the eating disorder started in college. Okay. But even then, I didn't call it an eating disorder. I called it, and even then, it was many years after I graduated that I started realizing it. But I, I even then, I would call it anorexic tendencies or odd mm-hmm. eating behavior. but I never okay. called it what it was. And where the turning point came my senior year of college. Okay. The dean of students for my four years, I went to a small college in Northwest Ohio called Defiance College. Okay. And this my dean of students had, had become my confidant and kind of my counselor for four years. My senior year, he took a different position, still said he'd be available for me. And by early early, you know, second early second semester. He started giving me homework assignments because he knew that I wasn't ready for the workforce and it helped me be able to see what was happening inside my brain. And I, I do not remember what the homework was or what his question was. Totally unexpected. I'm answering all of his questions. I'm looking down at the carpet because I couldn't stare him in the face. And I said, well, when society tells you not to say anything and my Mm -hmm. voice trailed off, and Ed was very astute and he kind of paused a second and he said, Sue, did your parents hurt you? Mm-hmm. And I said, no. He said, somebody else? I said, yeah. And he asked what happened wow. and it came out. I didn't know it wanted to come out. I didn't know yeah. it needed to come out. It just kind of went out because here's the thing, your body stores trauma yeah. and if it doesn't come out in one way, it's going to come out another way. Mine was already coming out through being suicidal, through dealing with depression, through um, all kinds of different things, you know, through the eating disorder and everything and the need yeah, to be sure. validated. Yeah. And then it finally came out with the real cause. So that, is, that was the first turning point. Because had he, had we not had that discussion, had he not been so astute to ask the follow-up question. Yeah, and then to help me after that, yeah, I you know it would have come out some point in time, but that was the right place where it came out then. Yeah, thankfully
1: it didn't come out in a place where the person wasn't as sensitive and maybe shoved it back, right right. back in you.
0: Yeah, and 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 here's the thing: I've had the privilege. I have have a book that came out in 2019 that shares my story. I talk all about that, but I also got a chance to tell Ed personally the influence he, he, he's had on my life. Right. And then uh, the local NBC's channel just did a story on me. Just aired this past week, you know, again, at time, of this recording and yeah, I, I sent him that link so that he could see it, you know, and, wow. and, and because there, as I say in that clip, there's no greater privilege than telling someone how they have affected your life.
1: Yes, I absolutely agree. And sometimes people don't even realize how much they helped you. Oh, yeah. They think yeah. it's a small thing, but it's sometimes
0: really yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The power. So, of the
1: if you if one question I'm curious mm-hmm. about, could that moment have been brought out of you earlier in your life? And if it was, do you think that would have been worse? Just
0: thinking back, or better? Mm-hmm. Or you can't be sure. Depends on how. I can't be sure. I think everything else led up to that moment because okay. you know, you know, there were just different things throughout the time. Each year, I was the first person in our in our family, first of the kids. My brother went to college for two years and then he went into the Air Force. So I was the first person to go to college and graduate. Okay. So, you know, there was different stuff there, uh, but because of that, because we were five kids, you know, mom and dad, you know, they felt bad. They said, Sue, we wish we could help you with college. And I remember looking at him my first year and saying, No offense, but I don't want your help. Mm. Because if I screw up, then I want it to be my money going down the drain, not yours. Right. So every year I didn't even know if I was going to make it back. And every year I'd stop in and say goodbye to Ed in case I didn't make it back the next year. Wow! But you know, so um you know, but I think each year just, just built on built on the next, uh, just like stepping stones yeah. to, to get me to that point. Yeah, um, you, know, so was, you know, it was. Yeah, it was. God has a plan, and it's a perfect plan, and and right. He makes it all work together for the good. And and I've been, I've I've seen Him do that, you know. And um sometimes we have to go through the hard stuff, but then He He He, in His in His infinite wisdom, yeah, he knows how to you know how to, how to how to guide us through twists and turns to get us where He needs us to be.
1: Yes, get us where He needs us to be, and then. Allows us to see the lessons so that we can do like you're doing, Sue. So oh, yeah. Really turn oh, yeah. back and say, I'm here for you. And I'm here. Oh, monitor. yeah. 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 Because yeah. Yeah. The, the world is not going to stop turning and people aren't going to no. stop no. being people or whatever no. that is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anyone else who was critical to this path you went on that maybe made a little bit of a turn to get you to that point where you were sitting with him and it all came out? Tell us about other mentors, or
0: yeah. No, I think it was just at, it was just at, that. Okay, yeah, and, and and how how it all happened was my my freshman year. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play basketball in college, and you know that was fine. But it kind of helps if you go to class, and and it, and it really kind of yep. helps if you go to the class that's supposed to be your major that your advisor tends to teach. <laughs> you know, yep. detail. I, I see a few issues there. So wow. um, you know the um, the basketball coach called the dean of students and was concerned about me and about my grades and everything. And, you know, even then he had trouble finding me, had some one of his student workers that I knew, you know, looking for me. And then that was our first conversation. And then it kind of became going back almost every week to talk about life skills and time management and different things. And, and, you know, the onion started kind of unfolding over time. I, I found someone who was safe and then by um, the time senior senior year rolled around, you know things started to turn a little bit. Obviously, I was more mature. I was 22 instead of 18, um, yeah. so you know that makes a difference too. But um, I think over the time, you know, Ed had proven himself, and because okay. I hadn't really let anybody close before, so he had proven himself. Um, not that I had tested him, but he, I knew I could tell him anything, and and not that he and I ever had that conversation, but just the behavior, the, the track record. Right. The fact that he left Dean of Students and went over to be Vice President of Development and was working out of the President's office my senior year. And when I you know, made an appointment to see him, he specifically said, I will still be available for you. Wow. So that, you know, that that spoke loudly. Yeah. That's a lesson for us as
1: older women, as older people, as professionals, as just people, Mm -hmm. neighbors, friends, just to be that consistent person in their life and really show them your character and allow them to keep coming to you. Because, you know, you want to sit with someone, if they have a problem, you want to fix it. Right there, you want to fix it. Tell me what's going on. But sometimes the person has to trust you. Mm -hmm. Has to trust you with that thing inside them that is just so precious Mm -hmm. that you have to handle it right. And to
0: that point, as, as I have grown, I have learned to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Okay. And what I mean by that is y- y- your comment just now was, you know, we want to fix it. Yeah. And, and in essence, you can kind of take that next step and say, we're trying to fix them. Yes. And that really has to do more with our comfort, yes. with their discomfort. Yes. And, oh, help and, me, Lord. And, yes. Help, and, help and, me. Yeah. And, and, and we don't do them. We do them a disservice
1: yeah.
0: by trying to rush in and save the day. Yeah. Because, then they so do, because they don't get a chance to learn how to be comfortable with their with their discomfort.
1: I thank you so much for that, Jim. And I hope everybody hears it because I know I have some people in my life that I really and you said it because I really want to help them, but really it's going to make me feel more comfortable. Because I know you'll be happy. Whatever the issue is, we'll be gone and we can all just live happy. Right. But yeah, it really is a little bit selfish. I want to feel comfortable. I want to know you're okay, even though right. it's not me being okay, but I want to be with you knowing you're okay. Right. You know, a lot of people want to help, but right. it's not helpful if you can't sit through the storm and just let it be ugly for as long as it needs to be till they're ready.
0: Because God is writing a story in that person's life as well.
1: Oh my gosh, and, and, I love
0: and, that. And, and he wants to, you know, you get to be a, a a line or two in that chapter. The chapter's not about you. You get to be a role in that chapter. Yes. And, and, and I think, you know, when we see it as God is writing a chapter in this person's life, he's still writing a story through this person's life, then it's like, okay, so God, what role do you want me to play in this as compared to I'm going to rush in and be God in essence. That's yes, beautiful. Things. I don't know if you know, Sue, that was just poetry. Yes. Okay.
1: God is writing a story in that person's life. Mm-hmm. And what a gift. Mm-hmm. And you can't try to make that story what you think it's going to be. When I say you, I mean we as people. Yeah. Collectively, here. Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. That's just like a golden nugget. I just needed to hear that. And I know there are people listening who need to hear that as well so we can help other people through what they need to go through and they mm-hmm. can have their own story. I have a couple of questions from two different points of view. Looking back, what advice would you give a mom? Say it doesn't have to be your mom, but a mom with a daughter who had gone through that trauma and they don't know what they went through it. What advice would you give her if
0: any? I definitely want to, you know, share some kind of wisdom. Um and and maybe the first one is develop the skill of digging without, without your child know you're doing it. Okay. And what I mean by that is if, if we start building that relationship where it is safe to talk about anything at any point in time, and, and that's learning the art of asking the open questions. One of my favorite, I asked, it, I asked it of cashiers, I asked it about two or three cashiers this morning. It was 9.30 in the morning what's the best, what's been the best part of your day so far? Okay. And and just that art of open ended questions, not how, because how is fine. Good. Okay. Yes. And and it almost requires a one, but if it the, what the, when the, where the, you know, those ones, but what is, what is just such an open ended question that allows that communication to start happening. And then just to to ask another, just learn how to enter in a conversation with your child. Excuse me. So that as things, as as age appropriate, and unfortunately that age appropriate is getting younger and younger. Yeah. You can then have the conversation, you know, Sally, you know, you're getting ready to go to school and, 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 you know, there's going to be, you know, different people there have had different experiences. I, I, I want you to know that it's not okay for people to touch you in the wrong way right you know and those things make it age appropriate but yes. still have the conversation yes because what you don't want is for Sally to come home one day and something happened in gym class when two people were going after a ball over in the corner where nobody could see anything mm-hmm. and Sally not know what happened what to say and sally becomes a sue yeah you don't want that to happen and 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 again i'm not a parent i've not been I'm, i've not been married but what i would say is is in whatever age appropriate way build that relationship so that it's based on respect i'm not saying become your child's best friend when you need to be a parent but i am saying as well that you can still be friendly with your child yes And and, and still be that friend that they can go to while still maintaining that level of authority that is needed at that age and age of development as well. So that you are someone they trust and can be trusted that is interested in them and doesn't just give them lip service. How was your day, honey? Okay, good. I'm going to go cook dinner now. You know, as compared to, you know, I worked at a sports camp for five summers. And the first year I learned this and I share it often. Out there, we said kids, I say people, people spell love T I M E. Yeah. And if you are, when that child is young and you are able to give them that time, yeah, that they know then that you care. Maybe it's a, a once a month daddy daughter date, and yes. that means dad goes to eat McDonald's French fries you know, <laughs> yes. or a Dairy Queen ice cream and a mother, son and a mother, daughter and a father, father, son, yes. because each relationship with a parent and a child is different. A father, daughter and a father, son are two different relationships. Yes. The same way a mother, daughter and mother, son are different and yes. each one needs to be cultivated. Yes. So even if it's, if it's, I highly recommend making, you know date time with your kids. Yeah. You know, at a very young age and keeping it going. Yes. Because that's where that relationship develops in the natural. And when you're out having fun so that when the heavy stuff comes, you are already seen as an ally and a resource. Yes. Very,
1: very good advice. Drop the mic to be there, Ed. You know,
0: yeah. There you Ed go. wasn't out
1: partying with you. You know, doing mm-hmm. doing other things. Mm-hmm. He was your resource, and he, he became right. trusted. But even more so as a parent, you're there all day.
0: Right. And yeah. yet, I knew in 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 undergrad, I knew that if I was in discipline and got written up and had to go dean of students, I wouldn't. I didn't want to put him in that situation. Right. But if, if I if I broke the rules and needed to go into student judicial, I was going into student judicial. That's all I right. was doing. Yeah. And then he and I probably have another
1: follow-up conversation about it later.
0: Right. Yes. The key.
1: Yes. (laughs) Right. Right. That is such great advice. So the other question I wanted to ask you, as you, looking back on yourself, if you were to meet, it could be the young girl, it could be a, a teen. If you were to meet yourself, what is one piece of advice or what would you tell her? What would
0: you say to her? I get a little teary on this one. Okay. It's, it's actually been a common question it has been asked the last couple of days, but it's really good because it's it's helping me. Yeah. I, I would say to her the same thing I say any chance I get, yeah. dare to believe that you matter. Amen. Dare to believe that you matter. Yes. When someone is daring you, they are asking yes. you to do something that you may not feel, you may not believe, you may not want to do it. Yeah. Dare to believe that you matter. Right. And that means you have a voice. You are worthy of being heard. You are worthy of speaking up. You have a lot to offer the world and by golly go go for it. Yeah. And don't yeah. let anybody get in your way. Because when you dare to believe that you matter, you have self-confidence, you have self-esteem. I'm not saying prideful ego. I'm saying right. you have self-esteem and self-confidence. So that you believe in yourself when the others around you, it might be slim pick Who you feel someone else believes in you. Yeah. But you know what you want. You know where you want to go. And you have surrounded yourself with people that are going to help you figure out how to get there. Hmm. Dare to believe that you matter. That is the foundation for anything else that happens. Because until we believe that we matter, the foundation crumbles. Yeah. And it's just, it's just empty practice. Yeah. Yes, I hear you.
1: So, tell us about the journey from that moment where you had that turning point. That aha came out. Tell us about what happened from there, and then who you are now and what you do. Why you do
0: it? Oh my! The the turning point uh, now. When I was grad when I graduated college, it was mid eighties. Yeah. Over the course of the next thirty years, three more decades, okay, um, there was a lot that happened, okay. and I still, while I, while my secret was out, and I was kind of trying to deal with it in counseling, it really didn't happen because I, I, there was other, there was too much other stuff going on. Two thousand eight, I was connected with a counselor named Amanda with Grace Recovery Counseling. She was here in Central Ohio, where I am, and she's now out of South Carolina. She moved. We are in a few weeks. We will celebrate. We we'll mark fourteen years of work together. And oh. I am not the person I was when I first walked into her office. Okay. Praise God. Yes. <laughs> because because and, and and where I'm going with this is that she said something to me as we started you know being able to talk about things more in retrospect. Her comment to me was, we had to get me stronger in the present before we could deal with the past. Because, because, you know, at age seven, I had this happen. And then you had literally four decades built of life built on top of that, built on a crumbling foundation. So I'm really going this way. So like I said, the longer you're in the freezer, the thicker the ice gets. We had a whole lot of chiseling to have to do. Think, think of that item that's shoved in the back corner of your freezer that has all the cross built on it. Yes, That's what we had to get back to. Okay, So, so we, we spent a lot of time getting me stronger in the present. And that meant dealing with a lot of boundary issues, learning how to speak up for myself, learning how to not get caught up in someone else's drama and take it on as my own. So we had a lot of stuff to deal with. So it wasn't until 2014, eight years ago, That we finally started dealing with the rape. That's over four decades after it happened. Wow. So, you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of of, uh, rebuilding, restructuring of life that happened in that time. When we finally got to dealing with it, those were the hardest times. Mm. And yet I wouldn't trade them for the world. Okay. Because I had to go through the, I had been in the fire. And then I was letting the fire encircle me for decades. And I had to walk right back through that fire to get to the other side. It is not for the faint of heart. You cannot do it alone. Okay. In the midst of that, we were dealing with the eating disorder because eating disorders have nothing to do with food, Food. everything to do with unresolved emotions and unresolved issues. So here we are getting back to a very core root issue over four decades ago, Uh, obviously stirring emotions, which have not been my friend up to this point in time. So my eating disorder kicks in again as well. So we're dealing with all that while we're trying to figure this out. So one of the strongest uh, homeworks she gave me early on, because what I learned, and she kept reminding me in the course, was that I was applying my knowledge as an adult To a situation as a child. Hmm. And I was putting my expectations of myself now on that seven-year-old girl. Yeah. And I had to let her off my hook because I was, I was, in essence, uh, emotionally abusing that little girl all over again and expecting her to do things that she was not equipped for. And one of the hardest things and huge pivot point was for a week. 10 times a day, mm-hmm. I, my homework was to look in the mirror and say out loud with my eyes open so I could see myself, yes. the rape was not my fault. I could not say it. I had to name it. And for the first day, it was, the rape was not my fault. The rape was not my fault. You know that kind yeah. of deal? Yes. And, then, not, and of not making eye contact with oh, yourself. Yes. Yeah, that was hard. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was hard. Yeah. I was like looking through me and not at me. Yeah. And after about a day or two, it's kind of started taking on a little bit of belief of the rape was not my fault. Yeah. The rape was not my fault. The rape was not my fault. And it's, I started putting emphasis on different words and, and my belief wow. fell in line. So the next week I went back to her and, and she asked how the homework was. And I told her story. She's like, so say it to me. And I knew she was going to do that, and and, and I kind of did, and she said, say it again. And she had me say it two or three times because she was reinforcing it. That was a huge pivot point because then, remember when I said I would say to that little girl, dare to believe you matter? Yeah. I started to dare to believe that I mattered because I was letting the little girl off my hook when she didn't belong there to start with. And then I could care for that little girl and not be mad at the little girl. Yes. So that all happened. A large part of the growth has since come from a retreat program called walking stick retreats that happened to coincide 2014 when everything else was happening. So God kind of writes the story. Yes. The, the retreats, uh, there was a movie that came out in 2014 called Rag- Ragamuffin. It was based on the life of Rich Mullins. And at first, the movie was really hard to watch. Did a lot of secret wiping of the eyes, mm-hmm. you know, that kind. Of, I'm fine, Mom. You know, yeah. kind of, it's a little dust, you yeah, know, that kind of thing. And because again, I wasn't ready to be found out yet. I was still right. wearing the mask. And so, the long story short, was um, in the fall they did it, they did a retreat. And it took me a while to sign on for it, and I finally did. And one of the, the first year we were all strangers. The only commonality we had was that we all had some kind of connection to this movie and the movie stirred something in us. Yeah. So, so we started talking, we went to the retreat. They opened up a Facebook room for the members of this retreat, for, you know, who was going to, the, to that particular retreat a few weeks ahead. And that first year they asked us to be very courageous and share our stories. Mind you, I had never shared my story publicly to Ed and my wow. counselor and that was it. Yeah. So I lurked and I stalked for about three days and I was encouraging other people, but I was still kind of hiding. And then, you know, that that heart pound started and it was my turn. So I spent a half hour, like four in the morning, pounding out my story, hit gulp as I hit enter and send and waited all day long to get trashed because that's all I've ever known. And instead, to this day, we are seven and a half years into this now. Um, because the retreat was in October, I have yet to hear one negative response. Instead, it's you, 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 you're you're courageous, you're brave. I wanna, I wanna hug you. I can't wait to meet you. You encourage me, all these other things, and that has just blown up since Um, these retreats, especially the first few years. The first year, I had to own my story, and that's what God did in me through the retreat. Yeah. Because even up to 2014, even dealing with everything with my counselor, I was still in denial about my story. I hated my story and I hated myself. So that first year I had to own my story and, and it came through a number of different things. And there were there was a moment where I call my sacred moment of release, where my biggest fear of crying and never stopping yeah. was half realized. I cried and I stopped. And the, the next year, I mean, then I continued to build on it. The next year, the, the, what God did in my heart through the, through the retreat was that I had to grieve my story. I didn't realize how much loss was in my story because there was so much loss in my life. Any of any of, one of the things that I've mentioned, eating disorder, rape, yeah. you know, dysfunctional home. My parents divorced after 34 years of marriage, being suicidal twice. Any of those is a lot for one life. And for whatever reason, it has all come cascading on mine. And for a while, I spent a long time being hacked off of God. And I'm a Christian and I was hacked off of God.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. Yeah. And here's the other thing. It's okay to be mad at God. Tell us about that process a little bit. How do you get angry with God? And then does it just drop off? I'll let you just go from there.
0: No, it took a lot. My anger towards God had to, had was rooted in feeling abandoned. It was with wrong expectations of God. It, it, what's, what's curious and not curious, what is God? What is God? It's the gun of the God moment. Was that the second year's retreat was called the disappointing messiah? And I'm like, how is God disappointing? Come on, he's God. <laughs> yeah. And as we worked it through, I learned, and this is where I'm getting this from that yeah, yeah. we are disappointed in God when he doesn't meet our expectations of what we want him to do. Yes. When we want to make him something less than God, yeah. but still let him keep the name God. Right. But then suddenly if we want him, this is going to sound real harsh and ruffle some feathers, but I, you've known, I'm, you can tell already I'm a shoot, straight shooter. Yes. If we are ex- wanting God to step down to our level, Yes, we are trying to take him off the throne. And yes, we're in essence trying to make God our servant. Ouch. Mm. Yeah. I'm gonna let yes. that sit a second. But it's an ouch, but it's truth. Yeah. So how you go to from being disappointed and angry with God was because I realized that it was my expectations of God that caused me to be angry. Because I was holding on to things and I wasn't letting go and trusting. Yeah. Doesn't mean the situation would have changed, but, but because he wasn't meeting my expectations, I felt he abandoned me. Right. So during the second retreat, this is all the stuff we're digging into and God's I mean And there was some warfare going on in my mind of just being able to let go. So nice. the second sacred moment of release came Saturday night during our communion and our worship service. And what they had us talking about, they always have some kind of experiential thing. And this particular year, they had some real heavy chains on a table. And they asked us at, when we were ready mm-hmm. to go over that table and just put these chains on and feel the weight of the things that had been holding us back. Yeah. And just to sit there with that weight. And they were probably good five or 10 pound weights. They had chains, heavy, heavy links. And then they asked us to go to the other side of the room A bunch of candles and big rocks on the table with markers, and they asked us to write down what has been holding us back. What are those chains? And in the course of that, I totally lost it, Mm. and and I don't mean just cried. I mean I heave cry like (gasps) that hard for about ten minutes. I was grieving my story, and I was feeling the release. Of those chains and I was feeling my first taste of freedom and when you have been in a cell for that long and that is all you have known I wouldn't have expected any other reaction except tears not only of grief but also of freedom of thankfulness for the freedom I was walking into And then they asked us to take those rocks and heave them over a hill outside the building. And my rock is still there right now, symbolic of leaving it there and walking away and walking out in freedom. Wow. So these retreats are very powerful. These retreats are very special to me. Yeah. Because the third year is where the nugget from God, now that the work had, now that the past had been dealt with, now we could start building. And again, there's a lot in between here. My counselor and I are digging into and, and working right. on and building on the third year. The nugget was, I am valuable to God. I am the pearl of great price that he wants to. Wow. Pay. Yeah. And, and that's where it started. That's where things started to turn because I had dealt with my past I had let go of the chains and I let God start building the, rebuilding the foundation that he wanted to build from the start and that mankind screwed up because we are a sinful people and, yeah. and we're a fallen world. And as I had come to, it was a whole lot of hard work, mm-hmm. but as I had worked all that through, let myself off my own hook, yeah. let go of what it should have could have land yeah. and started having right expectations that's when things started. That's when, when, that's when, when the book real writing really started, I'd gotten to recovery from my eating disorder, started writing the book, started learning how to deal with my emotions and been able to start dealing with some boundaries. Book came out and, and and as that all started, then I started speaking. So I started speaking, first of all, in a health class here in town. Yeah. And then that started taking off to presenting at state-level conferences. Mm-hmm. And now I've presented at some national-level conferences. And now I've been doing podcasts for th- for two years. And I've been on over 100 podcasts in just two years. And, and, it's, and keynotes. And, and it's just, it's building and building and building. Yeah. Because I finally let myself off the hook and said, here you go, God, rebuild me. Yeah. And when we get out of our own way,
1: yeah.
0: and when we let God off our hook, for the wrong expectations, we free ourselves up to walk in the fullness of who he is and what he has designed us to be. Wow. Not a journey for the faint of heart. It's not a journey to be walked alone. Yeah. And as much as I wish it was that fast, I would not trade the process for anything because I have, I have learned the depths of yeah. And I've only scratched the surface of the depth of God. And yet I see the transformation that He has allowed in my life. There's right. nothing magical about these retreats. What happens is that the staff gets out of the way and lets the Holy Spirit do his job. Right. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah. And, and for anyone who's interested, they can go to walkingstickretreats.org. Okay. If you want to understand what this community is about, yeah. And bless us with your story. Yeah. And bless us and encourage us with the journey that God has you on. We 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 don't want to be shortchanged because yeah. you have something to offer that that could help us. Yeah. So we invite people, please come. So what about those
1: people that say, Well, you know, I I don't have that big of a story and you know, it's it's not that big of a deal. I don't know what they could be dealing with, but you know, some people may be thinking my story is not that uh, that not that important. And right. what do I have to share? What right. Would you say to those
0: people, and I find myself thinking about that at times too. It's like really okay. Yeah, yeah. Only because of, to me, you know, what I'm doing now, I know it's what God has for me because it just feels ordinary. Yeah. And, and sometimes I I get feedback. And I'm like. Thanks, God. That's kind of cool. You know, yes. um, what I would say to someone who's discounting their story, because that's in essence what they're doing, yes, is you are putting value on your story that God is not putting on your story. Okay, Because God is at work in your story, mm-hmm. just like he's at work in every other person's story. Thankfully, maybe you haven't had trauma. Praise God you haven't had to deal with trauma. Praise God that you are able to be a model for someone else of a healthy relationship, of a strong marriage, of a fantastic family life. Praise God for that. We need more of that. Mm. You have something to offer that others need because there's so much brokenness brokenness in this world that we're starving for examples of what it can be like. And God wants to use your story to help others, to have a glimmer of hope of what can be. My business name is called My Step Ahead. And the concept behind that is you only need to be a step ahead to help the person behind you. So whatever your story is right now can help someone who is still trying to figure it out, who is still looking for a glimmer of hope that there might be something that could be different. Because when you're in the situation that we're in, working through our trauma, working through all these different things, working through all the lies, we need every glimmer of hope we can find. Wow. That's why I call myself a hope coach, because I have a glimmer of hope that I can share with others, but also because when people come to me for coaching, they have a glimmer of hope that something can be different. And by golly, I want to help them fan that into flame. Yeah. But if you have not experienced some of the hardships, praise God, first of all. And second of all, show us what it's like. Yeah. And show us what you has worked for you that we can incorporate into our lives to help our lives get better. That's fantastic. I
1: mean, everybody's story counts. Yes. I love that. I love it. Love it. So t- you are now a hope coach. Tell us about how your story informs or is used to help other people and how you go about helping other people. Tell
0: mm-hmm. us basically about what you do now and who you are now. What I do now and who I am is different from what I do. Okay. And, 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 and it's, it's when the presentation I do at conferences is on you know, who am I, talking about our identity and that our identity is not what we do. Right. Our identity is who we are, which is wrapped up in our values and our, what we do becomes behaviors in line with our values. Okay. It then becomes an expression of who we are. So who I am is someone who values strongly, first of all, faith in God. Okay. That's bedrock. Um, building on that, I, I, I am a cheerleader for others. Okay. I, I want to be for others, what others were for me. And that is someone who sees something that I don't quite see yet. And, and that is why I'm, I'm a, a life coach and a hope coach, because I've seen the brokenness. And, 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 I'm not, and there's a difference from coaching and counseling. And, and I want to hit that real quick. Yeah, please. Counseling, counseling deals with past issues that aren't resolved to bring you to the present. I am not a counselor. I am not licensed. I am not qualified to be a counselor to dig into the past. Life coaching deals with present situations to help you get stronger in the present to get you where you want to go. Okay. You can be in counseling and still be in coaching. And at the same time, I have clients who are in that situation. Yeah. And it actually works very well b- because coaching it, say you have you know, say you have a goal, okay, and you're just not, not not sure how to make that happen. Say your goal is um, I don't know, um, I'm not going the weight loss thing. That's too ordinary, right? Um, say, say your goal is that you want to. I'm I'm at a loss for one right now. Yeah. So let's we get a budget goal, okay? Okay. But but you're just stuck in old patterns of 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 spending, and and you, you want some accountability. You want some ideas, because okay, I want to be able to put this much down on the house in five years. And I don't know how to start because I'm stuck in this and I live paycheck to paycheck. How on earth am I going to get there when I'm stuck here? Yeah, Those are the kind of things I get to help with. Okay. I work with people who are going through a career change. I worked with a client who was an architect out in Nevada. Now, all of us are thinking, architect, man, that guy's golden. Yeah. Nope, I'm done with it. We worked through a lot about what he wanted to do, what brought him joy. Yeah. What you know and, and 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 what it would take, you know, to, to start different things. He wanted to start his own landscape company. Okay. You know, so so I, I work with people in career changes, relationship conflict. I had a mother-daughter team that had a huge falling out during COVID, November 20, November 2020. And they rated their relationship a 10 out of 10. And then this fallout took it to a four out of 10. Wow. And they came to me for coaching, and we spent a number of months working about communication and learning how to listen and, and, and just a lot of basic stuff that was helpful for them at that moment in time. Because when you're in a conflict, all you hear is this person's not hearing me. Yes. And we're not hearing them either. Right. So we helped, we really helped defuse that situation to increase that communication and when they when they felt they were at their point met their goal they said we're back to an 8 out of 10 and you gave us the tools to get to that 10 out of
1: 10 nice
0: so so what i do with coaching is i help people who are stuck in whatever current situation that is okay i meet them where they are find out where they want to get to and together we walk that road to watch them get where they want to go it's why i say my my part of what i do is i help stuck people get unstuck Yeah. And to realize that and to see that their dreams become present reality. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you a good coach for yourself? When you become a coach, can you coach yourself? Um, I have a lot of coaching conversations with myself, yes. Okay. Because you become so aware of things. Yeah. That then when you catch yourself doing, okay, Sue, wait, what did you just tell this client? Yeah. Why don't you apply it to yourself? Yeah, yeah I, I have that. I also still have my counselor. I have a couple other friends. I have a mentor and I have a couple other friends who have permission to speak into my life, blank check, um, because all of us need that. All of us need others who have the blank check to speak, who have okay. earned the right to be heard and you have given them that permission. Right. I have a friend who uh, is a licensed counselor in Cincinnati. There's a lot of speaking. And and one of the things she says, and she's she's part of the retreat team, and her name's Kathy Sprinkle, and one of the things she says is that all of us have a jerk inside that comes out, and all of us need a few people in our lives that tell us when our jerk is showing. And if we don't, we need to get that. We need to find them. Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I, the older I get, the more I see my jerk coming out. I'm like, oh yeah, it's not, it's not nice. Stop doing that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So what is one book? I don't want to gear you, I want, don't want to steer you. I'm tempted to steer you, but <laughs> give us a book that you would advise everyone to read. Besides the Bible, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. That can be your one. And then you can tell why
0: why it's so valuable and why right yeah and I'm not getting to the you read a bible in a year and you you know if you don't read the Bible cover to cover you know whatever I have right. yet to read the Bible cover to cover. Mm-hmm. Um but yes first of all the Bible and, and, and I don't say mm-hmm. that from a religious check it off your list viewpoint. Right. I say that because there is for me especially after I came to Christ I mm-hmm. swallowed the epistles mm-hmm. and, and for those who aren't familiar the epistles are the first the first four books of the New Testament, which is, you, know, you have the Old Testament, which is before Christ, yeah. and then the New Testament starts with Christ. The first four, four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels. They're the story of Jesus. After that, the books are the epistles, and those are books that were written by the apostles, Jesus's closest twelve closest friends, the people who told him when his you know I don't know if they told him yeah. when his jerk was showing, but you know, <laughs> they but, tried a couple times, right? Yeah, yeah, but you know, since he was perfect, he didn't have a jerk it showed. Uh, but anyway, but he had that close circle, those twelve people, and. The apostles were the ones who wrote these different books as the church, uh, as the Christian church started to grow. Right. So in those 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 uh, uh, epistles are a lot of brass tacks, how to get along with each other and how to live. Yeah. You know, Philippians is my favorite. There's a verse in there that says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit yeah. but in humility consider others better than yourselves mm-hmm. each of you should look not only to your own interest but also to the interest of others That's that, that that that's meat about how to live yeah that's meat about how to live right now yeah others oriented and, yeah. and it doesn't say set yourself aside it says yeah. each of you should look not only to your own interests, but Also to the interest of others. So yes, I would say the Bible first and foremost, you know, another one verse in there, do nothing, you know, do everything without complaining. You're arguing. Yes. You know, I mean. And it's great how it says nothing and everything. Yeah. Not some stuff, most stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Not the ones you feel like. Not the ones that make you feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, so, so, so yes, I say the Bible first because there's a lot of meat in there about everyday life. Right. And we all need that. The second book after that by Simon Sinek. Okay. I start with why. Right. And and I say that and the back cover says the best. Any person or organization can explain what they do. Mm -hmm. Some can explain how they are different or better, but very few can clearly articulate why. Why is not about money or profit. Those are results. Why is the thing that inspires us? And inspires those around us. Yes. And when we understand our why, that is our foundation. And then we build from there. Yeah. I believe that. Yes. Yeah.
1: There, there, There are absolutely golden nuggets for life. And I think if we looked in the Bible and we followed those scriptures, everybody would be taken care of. You won't have to worry about some what you get or what you've got or what you need because we'll all be taking care of everybody else's needs. Right. And then
0: you're so taking hard. care of us in the process. Yeah. Because you
1: are an other to someone else. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to ask you just a couple more questions. Sure. One is just give us a little glimpse of you and your day. And what is one thing that you can't not do every day?
0: Mm. What is one thing you have to do every I've day? I've got to have that morning time. You know, when 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 mom mom's health was declining, yeah. she need she needed more attention. So, you know, my, I've got to have that morning time. Lord, I, I need that time just okay. to sit and journal and read. And for a number of years, that did not happen because okay. I couldn't get uninterrupted because mom needed me. Yeah. So, after as I after she passed, and, and I, I started having to come up with a new routine. Mm -hmm. one thing I was set on from the start told the Lord said, this is coming back. Yeah. I've got to have this. And it's not that I didn't have time with the Lord. It wasn't to the caliber that I wanted. Yeah. So, so I, I have adjusted my sleep schedule and and I, I, I get up, you know, for me, it's for others, it's very early to me. It's just natural time. Um, and, and I, I, I get my coffee Yep. I my notebook and my pen and my Bible, and I sit in the same chair out in the, in the, in the living room yeah. so I can yeah. just have that quiet time yeah. to just read and journal. It might be 20 minutes. Yeah. Sometimes it might be longer. Sometimes it might be shorter. But I've got to have that time. I I, I, I need that time just to, just to settle into the day before I do anything else okay. because I, I can very easily get into a go mode. And I need I need to be very intentional to interrupt my own pattern before okay. I fall, before I fall, before I, I, I slip on a slippery slope. Yeah.
1: For those who are listening, if you find that you get up in the morning, you start worrying about things, and you start stressing, or you know, um, you start feeling. Sometimes you're not even conscious, but you just start feeling bad. First thing I know, I used to feel mm-hmm. just feel bad. I hated mornings, and mm-hmm. it's I used to say is I think the devil's just waking me up. Hey, Julia, come on, get up. You know, you have a lot of problems we got to talk about today. And, you know, this person did that yesterday. This person's going to do that today. I think it's a good idea to set your mind on Jesus first. And And, if you're not there, then just
0: quiet yourself. And and when I first started it, I I was really good about this next part. I've slipped back some and I'm attentive to it. So yes, if I have coaching conversations with myself, this is one I'm having. This is one. Okay. Is that. My goal, my intention, is that I will not pick up the phone and look at email, text, right. social media, or anything until I've had that time with the Lord. Yeah, and and that is hard at times. Yeah, you know we're so used, to, we are so addicted to our phones, yeah. and we don't even know it. Yeah, the lights blinking. So, Yeah. And, and, and so, so I am, you know, while I may have it with me and I may even change that, I bring it out there. So there I'm setting myself up for temptation, but if I leave it in my room for those 20 minutes, and actually I probably, here's a coaching conversation I'm having with myself right now. right That would probably be a really good goal for this next week is to leave my phone next to my bed while I go out to my living room, create some of that separation and that distance Help break that addiction, so I can focus on the person I want to focus on, which is God, and then let the day fall in place. Yeah, yeah, nice tip for all of us, I think,
1: because those lights just flash and the blink—you know, the little blinks and the little notifications come up.
0: You figure, just look at it for a second. Yeah, yeah, and then That's you get sucked distracting. in. Distracting, and, yes. and, and quite frankly, it is all social media is designed to suck you in and, and chew up your time. Without you even knowing it. And it does. We we have fallen right into the rut they want us in. Yeah. I agree. And they're laughing all the way to the bank at our stupidity. (laughs) Not including my. I'm not calling calling anyone stupid. I'm saying I am right in line because I have bought the lie that they are selling. Right. And I'm tired of spending my money on it. Yeah. My figure, my my literal, my figurative money of my time. Yes. I'm, yeah. tired of, I'm tired of paying that piper. And then you're getting distracted from, mm-hmm. from God. Right. You're getting distracted. Because suddenly my whole attitude is skewed by social media for the day? Yes. Hello? Yes. It oh, yeah. affects your attitude.
1: Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. For that reason, I've stopped looking at it as much because... I have to. The people around me are the ones that matter. And if I'm having right. an attitude because of all that stuff I'm seeing over
0: mm-hmm. wherever else. And, and it's, it's people I don't even know. Time. Yeah. It's that time people so love T I M E. Yeah. And am I letting social media rob my bank of time? Because we all have the same bank. Yeah. Am I letting social media rob that time? Yeah. Or am I going to give it to the person that matters to me? And I want to express that love through time to that person. Yeah. Yeah. You're here, here.
1: So, I want us to close out with one question. But first, before we get to that last question, I just Uh-oh. want everybody to be able to
0: know how to reach you after this podcast is over. Best place to reach me is at my website. Okay. SueBowles.com. It's B-O-W-L-E-S. And I'm sure Julia will have it in the notes. Yes, I will. Once, you, once you've once you had your morning routine, should you open social media? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you find me on Instagram with My Step Ahead. My step ahead is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And there's also a Facebook page called Sue Bowles Coaching, and you can you can reach out to me in any of those. But it's a big one. Just go to the website. There's a form there if you want to email me. If there's something that you know you want to talk about life coaching, you know, certainly you know, let me know. We can get started on that. Also, if you go to go to go to the website and 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 just send me a note. Mm-hmm. I have a free PDF. It's a three part PDF called a hope packet, a hope bundle that I send out to, to, new, to new folks to reach out to me. I would love to get that sent to them as well.
1: Nice. Thank you. And yes, all of the links will be in the bio. And um, you can click on one of those, get to the website, or get to any of the information that was just given. So, my last question for you is if you have lived this powerful life, you're changing lives, and then God says to you, okay, well done. I'm going to give you one more opportunity to give a message to the world now. Sue, what would that message be?
0: Wow. I one. a and tears. Hmm. Um, what would that message be? Hmm. You are worth it. Amen. You are worthy and you are worth it. Yeah. And don't let anyone or anything tell you differently. Because you were created for a purpose. You were created with purpose. And the world has been against you, trying to rob you of that purpose. You matter. Go live it. Take the world by, by by the horns. One day, one life, one step at a time. Take care of you when you need to take care of you. You don't have to be anybody's savior because there's only been one savior, and that's Jesus Christ. We don't have holes in our hands. We are not saviors. Take care of yourself so that you can then serve others.
1: Perfect message, and thank you so much for being with us, Sue. Thank you. You've been listening to the F50 Woman podcast. Join the F50 Woman movement and this diverse group of voices to help change the world one woman at a time. Why should you join at your age? Because we're not done yet.